Hello and welcome to the Diabetes Dugout with Brighty and Peachy, brought to you by the Diabetes Football Community. This is your regular dose of all things football and diabetes as we bring you the stories of those affected by the condition who have a love of the sport. Everything we share and talk about on this podcast is from personal experience and if you have any concerns about the management of your condition, you should always check in with a healthcare professional. Now, with all that said, let's crack on with the episode. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Diabetes Dugout. Joining me, John Peach, is someone who has been described as the Redditch Messi. This man, my co-host, Chris Bright. Chris, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm very well, mate. I'm not sure I've heard that nickname before, but I will take it gladly on a day like today where I've been feeling a little bit under the weather, John. It's been, been eventful, hasn't it? We've, um, we've both been lucky. Lucky enough to have our jabs this week, our vaccinations. How how were you, mate? <laughs> um, well, uh, as as you know, mate, I have been struggling. Um, yeah, it's floored me that having that vaccine. Um, yeah, took took the wind right out of my sails. You know, I had uh, fever, feeling um, right under the weather. You know, I, I was awake a lot of the night. I was shivering. Um, yeah, sugar levels went up high, glucose levels were high. So, yeah, it was a it was a tough night, but it seems to be a sort of a, a 12 to 15 hour job and I've gradually got better across the day. But yeah, just taking the wind out of my, my sails is the best way to put it. A bit of energy lacking, but um, yeah, we'll get there, won't we? How, how about yourself? What what was the effect for you? Pretty similar, mate. I um, had my nine o'clock in the morning um, and then was fine until sort of midnight. And then, yeah, just awful night put my um my bolus up to 150 percent um for oh don't know how long it was probably ended up probably being near 24 hours um oh, i've said bolus didn't i it's basil oh what an error never mind <laughs> my basil up to 150 percent um yeah and it just but yeah the, the headaches the feeling washed out just it, it, i feel much better now so 48 hours later but yeah, just the sugar levels for for a while after t- took some working. Let's put it that way. Yeah, we were talking about it just before, you know, prior to coming to recording. And uh, we were saying, you know, we're not surprised, really. I suppose it's this virus is so different to what the human body's ever experienced before that, you know, when, when they've brought out this vaccine, there's no wonder that there's quite a, I suppose, a, a big reaction a, across so many people. It seems to be quite a common reaction um, to have some sort of symptoms. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not to, I, I wouldn't want to put anybody off having the vaccine at all, because yeah. I think this is really, really important conversation to have and really important to um, to discuss <clears throat> it and say, you know what, as much as it was a, a bit of a tough 24 hours, I'd, I'd still much rather be having the vaccine than not having the vaccine. So, yeah. Um, you know, we'll get better from here, and um, we're now we're now on the you know we're now on the podcast, John. Diabetes dugout, you know, into our next episode, and uh, who have we got in up today? Then who's the Here next guest on, or our first guest? That's our first guest for the podcast. First guest, and arguably our best guest we're going to have had by the end of this session. So um, today, today you can hear him laughing. Today we're joined by someone who was there at the first training session we ever had. This man's played every minute in two Euro tournaments, captaining his country in the 2019 tournament. He's a massive presence in the team. And if you look up the word hero in the dictionary, there's a picture of this man here. It is Tim Ward. Tim, how are you doing? I was... That was an amazing introduction. I was looking behind me to see who, who was yeah. meant to be on. I was thinking, am I just the warm-up act? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very good, John uh, and, and Chris. Uh, um, I, was, I was laughing at the uh, Redditch Messi, and I was I've, I watched Chris's um, uh, clips on Insta and stuff like that. I was thinking, I'm going to do... Have you ever seen the um, We Buy Any Car advert with the Get Phil... Schofield's face on. I was thinking I'm going to try and put my face on Chris and just go, look what I've been up to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) For for anyone, 
I was going to say, for anyone that hasn't seen it, Tim is the one, when you're looking at the um, toilet roll videos from just under a year ago, he was the goalkeeper. <laughs> so if you want to see what Tim's skills are like, check him out. It's... Trashing my front row. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll say no more. <laughs> Brilliant. Tim, We um, first question, first thing I want to talk about. Um, yeah. Your diagnosis history. Now, I know it. And when I spoke to Chris about it, Chris doesn't know it. And for me, it is, it's a funny story. It's a great story. We don't want to give away your age, but is it fair <laughs> to say you were diagnosed in the 80s? I was, yeah. Age is just a number, John. Exactly. You know? Yeah, I am exactly. 45 years old now. Wow. And I was diagnosed in 1981, yeah. Um, do you want the full spiel? Yeah, mate, because so, it is some story. Yeah, um, it was it was summer nineteen eighty one, and we'd gone on holiday to the south of France. So, um, first time abroad, and you know, obviously, mum's going keep drinking, keep yourself hydrated. But I was drinking anything that was put in front of me. You know, um, I was literally in and out of the the caravan that we were staying in, drinking water couldn't get enough and it was just constant constant hydration and then um I think I collapsed one evening I was to and from the kind of hospital in the south of France and then finally got taken in and got and, and got diagnosed um and it, it's still it's still quite traumatic to be quite honest with you with your boys you know because I was what a five-year-old boy um in the south of France, my mum stayed as long as she could in the hospital, but it was me on my own at night and having to kind of kind of get your head round, you know, a new a new world almost. Um and it did knock me, it knocked me sideways. And um I think about, you know, kids now that are getting diagnosed and and my heart goes out to them to a certain extent. But yeah, I think when we were talking about it, Peachy, um, obviously south of France, very warm. Um, and I couldn't sleep at nights. So I can remember it being absolutely baking in this hospital. And I used to go to the nurses who didn't speak a word of the Queens. Um, <laughs> and I'd go to them and say, oh, hot, warm, you know, and I'd be like pulling on my like my top and saying hot, warm. And they thought I was telling them that I was low and they kept giving me biscuits. And I was thinking, <laughs> I am on for an absolute winner here. So every night I'll be up there going, uh, uh, warm. Next thing you know, a few biscuits. So, um, yeah, <laughs> probably not the best way to deal with a, a newly diagnosed diabetic whose, blood, whose levels must have been through the roof at that point. But um, yeah, scary times back in yeah. 1980, 1981, yeah. And, and, and did you, so when they told you that um, you were diabetic, what, what did, did, did you even know what that meant? Um, God, you're asking me now, Peach. Um, no, is the, is the short answer? Not at all. Um, I, can, I can remember... Um, the, the the change and and the the injections which you just think is kind of you're just going to get that in the hospital i think that's where my mindset was i was in hospital therefore you have injections in hospital if that makes sense yeah. um so when i then came out because i got um a, a, there's a french doctor and nurse that came back with me and my mom uh, the rest of the family um went back, you know, as they were planned to, but obviously my mum and myself stayed in hospital for, I don't know how long, maybe, you know, a few weeks more. And then we got a, a flight home and uh, a French nurse and doctor transported us, came, you know, came all the way back um, to the UK with us. So um, it was a, yeah, it was a harrowing time. And that's when it hit me when I got back and then realised, you know, I was I was still going to have to have these injections. And I can remember my mum being really upset because of the first time that she had to kind of give me the injection. And I can I can remember her being, you know, you know my mum was, you know, 
27, 28 at the time. And, you know, to have that suddenly thrust on your shoulders, yeah. you know, for, for a parent is scary, scary times. And I can remember my mum being really upset. And I remember thinking, just be brave for your mum. And, and as a five-year-old, you know, and it was a case of, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I remember Chris um, at the the conference we did a couple of years ago now, mm. and I I did 15 minutes and I said about three words to describe yourself or, you know, um, what you, you know, to describe yourself when you were first diagnosed or someone that you cared for, your parent of was diagnosed. And there was no positives in those three words and that, and scared was the first one um and yeah. i think yeah scared and and, and scared for my mum and scared for myself and i think that was the same for uh, if you if you got if you got my mum on the show i think she'd probably say the same the same things it's scary times yeah so um wardy how did you i suppose you know you're talking about some negatives there um mm-hmm. we now know you as a as a bloke and we, I wouldn't have said that, that any of those words really epitomise who you are now. So how did you take that that negative experience and, you know, start to get maybe used to life with type 1 diabetes? And what was it like at that very starting point? How did you start to, I don't know, get to get used to with the condition and then go about tackling your, your world that you were in then as a child? Yeah, I think it's a strange one, Chris. I think... Um, because I was diagnosed so young um, and in the eighties, everything was measured. You literally measured everything. So um, my cereal in the morning was put in a, you know, in a kitchen measuring, you know, a, a scales and, and that was measured. And the amount of milk that I had with it was, you know, measured. So my control through my primary school was unbelievable. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because, um, the, the, I was testing my urine constantly. I was testing my blood, or my mum was constantly, um, and there was that constant control. So, you, I went through my primary school years thinking I was untouchable because hypos didn't very happen very often. You know, my control was that good. Um, I can remember I swam quite a bit. I was in kind of Wigan Junior Wasps and swimming with them uh, as a kid. And the only time I remember the negative of having a Mars bar, that was the, that was what you were told by your the, the diabetes team at, at Wigan at the time, was have a Mars bar before you do any kind of activity. So you can imagine a, a six, seven, eight-year-old loving that. <laughs> oh, yeah, another yeah, yeah. Mars bar. Um, but I was swimming and I was doing a lot of lengths and I can remember having this Mars bar and the Mars bar disagreeing with me shall we say halfway through (laughs) (laughs) swimming and yeah let's let's just say it it was a a messy end to that session so um but that's the only kind of I can remember I had the dextrose tablets with me everywhere I went and you can imagine I wasn't using them so they basically all fused together and I can remember diving around and having bruises all over the top of my legs <laughs> where I was diving on these dextrose that were from probably, they'd been there for about seven months because I never needed them because my control was that good. So from that point all the way through it, I didn't see myself as a diabetic and I wasn't um, I wasn't uh, uh, afraid of people knowing it or ashamed of it. So my image was, I'm just me. And then you go to high school, you get more freedom and any kid going through the teenage years is searching for an identity, aren't they? Um, And I, unfortunately I was kind of, I was focusing on what I wanted to be, which was as if you want to call it normal. So I wanted people to just see me as normal, the footballer, the, you know, the athlete, the, the cool guy, whatever it is. That's how I wanted to be seen. And I concentrated on that. So hiding my condition rather than thinking what I need to be doing is getting my control as good as it possibly can be so I can be as normal as can be. Does that make sense? So my focus was in completely the wrong place. Um, And then 
uh, I, I, I listened to Peachy talking about his uni years, and mine was similar. You know, at, at best, my control was bad. At worst, I was just ignoring the condition and hoping. But because I was that active, that was what was helping me control it and it not get that worse. You know, I was at Worcester, like yourself, um, yeah. and I was... I was in the, the football squads. I was, you know, I was chair. I was, you know, I was part of the committee. I was captain. And so I was constantly active. So that saved me without me really knowing it. But it was detrimental to my um, my performance levels that I didn't really think about. Um, and you, I mean, I don't know what it's like with you guys, but I had some, there was, I think, two scary moments was, um the retinopathy, I had uh, an operation on my eye and that was a massive wake-up call, um, which I don't want anyone to ever go through. And this is why I've kind of done this with yourselves to kind of give people the wake-up call before they have to have it themselves. But the retinopathy frightened me. Um, and we've talked about this before, Chris, haven't we? Um, yeah. About that, the eyesight element of it. That was a frightener. And then um, I passed out. I passed out, um, uh, collapsed with my diabetes. Um, I was a holiday rep. And again, I went from hiding it again. Didn't want to be seen in that environment um, as any different. You know, party time, party time, whatever you want to call it. And um, I didn't learn from a mistake. You know, people don't view you as a diabetic. You know, people don't view you as Tim the diabetic, Chris the diabetic, you know, and I, I you're just seen as you and you, your diabetes is, is part of you, but you're not judged on it. You're not seen as weak or whatever because of it. And and I hadn't learned that from hiding it when I went first went to uni and people all knowing and not treating me any different and then did the same again when I went to, working in Greece and it was that when I collapsed and ended up in a, a, a Greek hospital thinking that was the light bulb moment for me Chris um why are you hiding it there's no need to hide it Wardy do you think there's um you know the environments that you were in and the circles you were surrounded by you know do you think that they had a role to play in you sort of keeping it hidden away do you think that the, the path you chose you know you were very sporty you know, you were, like you said, you were keen to be really social. And do you think those sort of things, and obviously being a holiday rep as well, do you think those sorts of things almost coached you into a way of hiding your condition? Yes, definitely. Um, I I know you can't, you can't tell because of my, my, how well I speak, but I'm actually from Wigan. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> What you're laughing at? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Chris, you'll, you'll turn to violence, apparently. <laughs> and one of the phrases near me is, um, "If you're strong in the arm, thick in fed," right? And that's like a kind of how you identify. And being, I was, as I said, I was captain. I'm, I'm six foot four. You know, I wanted to be seen, and especially when I went to Worcester, I was seen as the hard man of that, uh, as that of that team, almost the enforcer in midfield, and I lived up to that. So I played hard and and, and wanted to be seen as that. Now, once the guys knew I was diabetic, there was no difference to how I was seen. You know, back home, you know, in Wigan and playing, you know, playing up in the north to when I was in Worcester. There was no difference. I wasn't seen in any different way. You know, you know, the lads that I knew and was really close to the team would say, have a sugar butty <laughs> or something along those lines. You know, like the, the the Snickers advert where they say, have a Snickers, you know what happens when you, you don't. And I see that as the diabetes thing almost like, you know, people who then know you, they'll just say, you know, sort yourself out. So, yeah, the, the, the environment I was in, I needed to be seen as the person who's going to party hardest and train hardest and play hardest. And, yeah, that that was the mentality. I'm, I'm focusing on being that rather than focusing on what I need to be to be better, which is 
the diabetes. And then I suppose, which comes very nicely after that, is what what helped you change that mindset? Because that's not a mindset you have completely now. I'm going to say that maybe there's an element where it probably still lingers. But what mm-hmm. do you think maybe helped you shift it a little bit? I'm going to be honest with you, Chris. Um, like you said, there's always been those little elements. Um, the biggest shift for me has been TDFC. And the only thing that's wrong with that is that it's taken me till, I mean, what was I, 42, you know, when um, when I got involved with TDFC and, and, and kind of contacted yourself and, and Harley, who was the coach at the time. And that was the real shift in attitude and perception of myself, of what diabetes is and, and how to be me and focus on being me um, within a community. And that community was what gave me the strength to really, really look at my condition and deal with it. And it was like-minded people or people with the same condition and having conversations and not being afraid to have that conversation or think about how to start that conversation, but almost hide behind what you're saying. So asking for a friend, but, you know, it was just a conversation and, and just sitting down with guys who were exactly the same, you know, yourself an international uh, Stanners, ex-pro, you know, just, well, right, okay. And then combined with that, and it was learning about what was available to help you be better in control. So there'll, all be, there'll always be lingering elements of me that hides it at first from people. Uh, and that might be my own insecurities. But my whole, out, you know, mindset and outset and, and, and view diabetes changed from TDFC. So you've, Chris, um, sorry, Tim, I'll get you mixed up. Sorry, boys. Um, it's the skill level. It, I know. What it's, you it, I was going to say, it's, it's the accents. I think that's what's done it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm so old. <laughs> yeah, yeah Wardy did spend a little bit of time in my area. He might have picked up the old that that yeah. twang from round here. Well, I mean, I am actually a Brummie, you know. Exactly. Born, yeah. So there uh, you go. Well, it's just I just wanted to pick up on something you'd said there about the um, about TDFC and the role that I played, um, yeah. and just sort of talk about your involvement, how you got involved. Um, I'd imagine someone like you, you you saw something online and sort of jumped at the chance and, and got in touch with Chris to, to get involved? <laughs> Not quite uh, the same as, as your story, John, but um, it was kind of Christmas time, 2017, and um, I'm in bed with the missus. It's all right. It's not after the watershed. There's no nothing rude coming on now. And it was Donna, my other half, that said... Um, was said have you seen this I said well what is it and she said you know they're looking to create this diabetes uh, national team uh, and to compete in in, in this Dia Euro tournament Um, you should go and I said oh that sounds great don't I you know 20 years ago I'd have been all over that and she just gave me this knowing look and said get yourself down there and so I went, yeah, okay. So I, I filled in, you know, contacted Chris and Harley, got um, kind of a form back, put in the kind of background um, and then got told about the dates. And it was at Worcester, which is, you know, it's in my heart. You know, once you go to Worcester Uni, you know, Worcester's in your, in your veins. And she just went, it's fate. It's the fact that it's there. And it was just an amazing moment for me was coming back, going to Worcester, you know, Worcester University, driving there and and thinking, I'm going to be playing football, futsal at Worcester again. It was written in the stars and and that's, and then, yeah, you know, a few connections, you know, conversations with Chris um, and off we went, yeah. 
I, I really remember you from that um, that first session, mainly because it was the day after Tottenham played Man United in the semi-final <laughs> of the FA Cup. And I've been up at Wembley. I got back late from Wembley on the Saturday night, drove up to Worcester, Sunday, early hours of Sunday morning, walking in. And the first thing I see is you talking about Man United <laughs> and just thinking, oh, no, this guy's, this guy's going to annoy me. Yeah. <laughs> and you were right. <laughs> no, I think it's um no but just just your um the presence that you had from day one the you for for me you stood out as someone that was a a leader um amongst everyone there you, you had that that presence that aura about you and also remember walking um going for lunch and walking down the corridors and you saying oh I'm gonna like looking out you say oh that's where I had the lecture that's where I did that lecture um, mm. And just yeah, there, there was you, you just had that about you on on the first day. Um, I think, and also I think the one really interesting thing that stuck out to me as well, and um, is I think you, Tim, on that first session that you came to, I think you were one of the quickest that I spotted. Almost go from having ne- you could tell never really spoken about this to opening up, and it looked like all of a sudden. And I don't know if, you know, I might be slightly skipping the, you know, skipping the beat here and skipping the gun, but um, you look like you'd found acceptance very quickly in that situation and um, felt almost comfortable to open up for the, And it looked like it was a, I don't know, you looked free by the end of the session. I don't know if that is how you felt, but it was what I noticed about you very quickly in that, in that scenario. And I noticed it around a few of us, but um, you especially started to, I don't know, you just felt like you had that, something, a weight lifted from somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you noticed it, Chris, because it, it was, it was a, it was, it was a moment for me and it was a weight lifted off your shoulders because you're in that environment. The banter was going from, from the moment we all got together there was a, a total acceptance of everyone. The banter was flowing, and but we were just discussing stuff. And it was like, well, I've had these thoughts going around my head and um, I've never voiced them before. I've kind of just dealt with them myself, you know. And if you're just talking to yourself, you go a bit mad. But um, actually having them, and I can remember JT talking um, uh JT talking about, you know, having a no carbs diet and thinking, well, how was that? And then people speaking about green, you know, fibrous carbs, what's this? And then CGM and pumps. And I'm thinking, what's all this? Yeah, I'll never, I've never, you know, I've heard bits about these things, but people are discussing that their lives with them and, and how they deal with it. And it was just like, whoa, I, I want to be part of this. And you're right, Chris, it was that total, total acceptance and thinking, I want to I want to do as much as I possibly can to stay part of this. And I think from, I think we met in, was it March, April time? The first time that we had, we had that first yeah. meeting, that first meetup, I lost, I, I trained with someone um, because I wasn't playing, I'd stopped kind of playing as much. I'd, my, I'd kind of gone away from, you know, playing. I was coaching a little bit. Um, but then thought, right, I'm, I'm having this again. I'm doing this again. And the idea that the, the diabetic control and thinking about that a little bit more to training harder, I think I lost nearly a stone and a half and put on a load of muscle between um, April and kind of June, July, when we got ready to go to kind of Bratislava. So the motivation and, and not just to, you know, to get fit, but to deal with my condition more and speak to people. I was suddenly, you know, putting things on the WhatsApp group and getting answers and thinking, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, it was just, it was the this blinding light, you know, angels sang, oh, and it was like... <laughs> Brother, I have seen the light. This is all good. You know, sign me up for life. I am I'm I'm a paid up member. Yeah. So yeah, Chris, but very impressive. I'm 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 hyper impressed that you spotted that. Yeah, I I mean, for me, I rem- I remember the session. Obviously, I'm gonna remember it so well. It was all of my 
my work that went into it, all of the hours that I wanted and put into trying to get you all together. And then it was, and I've spoken about it a few times. It was like within three hours, you became like a band of brothers. And, um, you know, I always remember you, Tim, because as, as Peachy said, you know, you were a leader from the off. You were, you know, and I don't, th- I think you'll come across on this podcast as well. You're not a quiet man. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so actually uh, when you're in that environment, you know, you're a chatty, a chatty guy, but your conversation changed as well. Um, you could almost see that you were almost a little bit uh, emotional towards the end and you were opened up about diabetes. You were talking to people about it and um you could see how much I I could almost see how much it meant to you. And I think I've seen how much it's meant to you every time I've seen you since that day. And um, and that I think probably stems from, and again, you know, you might tell me otherwise, but maybe stems from how hard it's been, you know, hiding it because I can relate to hiding it. You know, I've talked to you about it many, many times about my troubles in, in hiding it growing up, the environment that I was in very similar to yourself, Tim. And, um, and it, it, you know, it makes me emotional to think about it sometimes and, and how, um, how much easier life has been now that I found that acceptance and, you know, you guys have been a massive part of that. And, and that first session was, you know, a very big catalyst for, for me and probably yourself, Tim. Yeah. And I, I mean, the key, a key point, and it is quite amusing as well, is that we've talked about this, Chris, before, where we were doing our bloods in the car before we went into, like, to get changed, and you were kind of gambling on what your sugars were going to be before you went and played. So if they were high and the adrenaline rush was pushing them up, you, were, you weren't sure what my blood's going to be. And then we got um, the sponsorship for for the Di Euro, and we had the Dexcom, and everyone had them on and then it was just funny that first game against Italy and all these alarms are going ding 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 in the changing rooms and it was just it was just a pure moment of this is a diabetic changing room and we are dead proud of it and we don't care and it was just brilliant and I can just remember it was literally ding 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 I just thought Brilliant. I don't need to hide it. Everyone else is pinging, you know, happy days. Um, acceptance, finally. It's only it's taken me a while longer than the rest of you, but yeah, acceptance of of myself, I would say. I think, I know that sounds quite deep and meaningful, but yeah, acceptance of myself, of what I am in the whole, because I've never let anything define me. The football, I'm into my music, the diabetes, not one thing defines me. Um, and but I was uh, I was avoiding it. I was blanking it. I was tunnel vision. I was burying my head in the sand with the diabetes. I was doing enough to get by, um, and now I accept it, embrace it. And like I said at the start, I focus on being as normal as possible, not pretending to be normal. So I focus on what I need to do to be as normal as possible and perform at my best. And, 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 and like you said before, you know, I, I want to use this to be a role model for others, to speak to others, to show how, you know, have the light bulb moment for people and share my goods and bads so that hopefully someone will take something from it and have a conversation with me and, have a light bulb moment without going through the, the retinopathy or the passing out, you know? So I, I'd like to be someone's like uh, a, a lot of people's light bulb moment. Does that sound cheesy? <laughs> it does, it sounds, does a bit. But... Sounds perfect. It sounds, I think it really, um, really sums up that what, what you've brought to, to TDFC. I think, um, I think me and Chris probably know you as, as well as, as, as anyone in that team, but, We've actually asked Tim to come up with um with a game for us. So we're gonna do we're gonna do two truths and a lie. And me and Chris are gonna see if we can work out which two are true and which <laughs> one of these these facts about Tim is a lie. The thing Tim, is though, you two both know my other half. And I bet there's been conversations going on, you know, during the last few years where you found things out. And I, I, I'm going to tell you, and you'll go, yeah, we already know that. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, very good. I'll be having a word in a minute. 
Um, what, okay, what do you take on, us? What do you, what do you take <laughs> us for, Tim? I know we, you both we, very well. We can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> what it will, ha- what may happen as a result of this two truths, one lie. But <laughs> okay, right, okay. Would you like me to uh, to uh, go kick on. off then? Yeah. So you want all three, and then you're going to decide, are you? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay, okay, right. Um number one, um I have featured in a the relaunch of the Predator Boot uh, advertising campaign with Paul Pogba. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Number two, um I won, and as far as I'm aware, I'm still the reigning champion of the Northwest Man versus Food competition. <laughs> Would you like more details on that, or should we just leave that there? We'll, we'll leave that there. We might have to discuss this story uh, post <laughs> post us deciding if it's true or not. <laughs> okay. And um, as a child, I modelled for knitting patterns. <laughs> uh, I, I know which one I want. Oh, actually, no, I, don't. <laughs> I, I actually know. Which I actually know one of those that is definitely true. Yep, so do I. Because... And, and that is the um, advert with Paul Pogba. Yeah. I remember I mean, the discussion. It, it... I think, oh, I think, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like you told us that story lots of times, too. So you, you've really <laughs> you've shot yourself in the foot there. <laughs> it's my best, mate. I think, um, I think, actually, I think it was Pogba that told us first. That he'd yeah, I think he probably was. I've, I've told him to shut up about it, but I showed him how to dab and everything, but what can you do? <laughs> so, so, we Matt, know, so we know that one's true. Yeah. Oh, okay. Man versus food, talk us through it. What was it? What um, was it? Um, so there's these Christmas markets, and you'll know this as much as me, Peachy, being a, a dad yourself. Is at Christmas time you go to a thousand different markets with a thousand different Santas and and, and you take the kids and it's a great day. Well, this was one uh, um, a place near me in Cheshire called Arley Hall, and part of the the day was all these foodie tents and kind of you know the street food type stuff, and part of the hall had been opened up as a competition, and you paid a fiver to go to a competition and. Um, you had to eat basically a Christmas dinner as quickly as possible against other people. So um, there was kind of a shot of vodka to start off with chili. I don't know how that came into a Christmas meal. There was a pint of sprouts. There was um, a a, a massive carrot, a huge uh, sausage and uh, and a, a couple of mince pies. (laughs) <laughs> and they kind of went go and there was shall we say large people were struggling the way through it and um there was myself uh just quite happily I, I knew I was gonna win it to be quite honest with you it's... and I could see my mum laughing away holding my little boy Rowan who was going daddy daddy <laughs> and I was I don't think I've ever been as confident in my life that I was going to nail it. So they had an MC. He was going, oh, and there's Bob at the end there. And he's, oh, he's, he's firing away here. He's done well. He's onto his carrot now. And there's another guy next to him giving it, oh, and, and this this guy here, he's, uh, he's doing well. He's onto his sausage. And then they looked at the end of the line and saw me. He was just basically just dabbing the side of my mouth as I finished. And they went... Uh, and the tall skinny man here, he's, he's won it. <laughs> won it. And so, it was down well because they'd all introduced themselves as like Liverpool fans and stuff like this. And the, the one United fan there went and won it. So, so there there's so much detail in that story oh, no. that that is definitely the the truth. And then the lies that you were a model for a knitting company. Or so? Well, do, do you know what? They, they, I, was, I was slightly put off by the bit where Tim said he had to pay a fiver for it. <laughs> that was the bit that that was the bit that I was a bit unsure of. Well, the, the, I'll, I'll tell you the knitting story then. So it was it was um, just before kind of I was diagnosed, and um, my nan was. Uh, this is showing my age again. I don't know if grands do this anymore, but there used to be a wool shop near us that in in Oral where I grew up, and um, 
they have these patterns for you know jumpers or whatever. And my nan was a this ferocious knitter, and we'd always go with her to this knitting shop um, to get the kind of balls of wool and stuff like that. And um, I'd gone with her with my 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 brother at the time, and they asked if I would model for you know some of the outfits and some of the patterns. <laughs> so. Um, there I was having my photo taken in what can only be described as itchy jumpers for for an afternoon. So there you go. So there's the three. So, oh, Peachy, which one are you going for as false then? Oh, I don't know. I um, mm. I I'm gonna go the. I reckon it could be the child model because I think that. Because you've seen me. Would have... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't seen you as a youngster, Tim. You, you might have been, you might have had all your looks then. Yeah, I've faded. I, I, I'm going, I'm going for the model as, as the false. What do you reckon? If you're going to go that, I reckon there's a chance that Wardy might have fed us one around the food and, and it could have <laughs> been somebody else. You know, it could have been somebody. He was there experiencing Ooh. it, but it wasn't him that did the challenge. So I'm gonna, I'm, I, I'm gonna go for that one as the as the lie. But, but how would Tim feel if someone else had done it and he hadn't? I know. Well, Tim, just, which Tim, which is it? Tell us. You're right, Peachy. Oh, it was the modelling. Yes. Yeah. Face for radio, like you two said. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up. I, said, I was quite impressed. I even believed was, it myself oh, when I was talking I mean. about itchy jumpers. Yeah. I was thinking, I've done well there. Yeah, you've done really well there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we'll we'll come back onto the conversation that we were having just before we broke it up with that little game. Okay. So <laughs> the um, the Dio Euro experience. So we were touching on it before around um, the impact that it's had of being involved in that team. I just wondered if you could talk us through, you know, you've been to two tournaments, you've experienced what that tournament is feeling is like, the the spending time away with people with diabetes. Mm-hmm. And obviously you had that special moment when we were there in 2019 where you got to wear the armband. So what yeah. has all that been like for you? The The first moment and the one that I always think about is if if there's any kids watching to this uh, listening to this is kind of close your eyes imagine walking down the tunnel and the noise getting louder and louder and louder and louder and then coming out um and just seeing a full sports arena and two international teams playing in front of you and then you knowing that the next game on you're playing italy in, in an international game and everything that you've watched and dreamed of and just thought, I want to be that person when they're singing the national anthem. And then you walk on court and they play the national anthem. And yeah, I was singing it out of speed, <laughs> but singing your national anthem, representing your country, um, it was it was just unbelievable, and I can remember walking out with uh, Jack O'Brien, who's who was part of the the squad, and it was we just looked at each other, we could hear this noise, and it was just immense. And then you stood there, and I love the Italian national anthem, and I can remember listening to the UK one, singing it with pride, and then wanting to whistle along with the. Italian national anthem and they were great guys and we got to know them and we got to know people from across Europe and we've got amazing contacts and uh, you know made some amazing friends with people from Italy you're my big brother and trying to have conversations with them with Google Translate uh, which was brilliant Um, and then the Portuguese guys and it was just kind of a life-affirming you know, situation on so many levels, the sporting one, you know, it's not the first 
trophy I ever won was as a goalkeeper when I think I was 11 and, you know, representing my country at the end of my career, if you want to say kind of thing, as a goalkeeper. So that's that's a, a full circle. Um, and I like to think of it as that way, that I've come completely full circle. So I've gone from, you know, winning that trophy as a kid with perfect control um, and then coming full circle and going through the bad times and coming right back to wearing the number one shirt um, in control again and accepting myself. So that's my diary journey. And the Bratislava was just amazing, being away with people and seeing people from, you know, how many, 17, 18 different nationalities. Yeah, 17 that year. Yeah, quite happily checking, you know, testing, you know, with the, the phones or, or with the finger prick, testing the bloods, um, quite happily injecting themselves at the table and just chatting away. And it was like, well, I can do this. And I never, I had never done that. I had never injected myself in the table in public ever in my life until Bratislava, ever. And I thought, well, why am I hiding it? And I saw that and I, I did you know, and never looked back since. So that was two defining moments of Day Euro is that um, Kiev was immense. It was huge. It was, you know, if any, the fact that I've been to Bratislava and Kiev, two places I don't think I'd ever gone to in my life as well, and seeing these places and, and seeing them with, you know, like Chris described us before as a band of brothers, you know, I might be the, you know, uh, People might see me as the old guy in the squad, but I just see myself as part, as one of the lads, as part of it. And to experience it and just walk around, you know, I had an amazing chat with Harley, our coach at the time, just wandering around Kiev and talking about her PhD and, and decision-making and, and that kind of thing. And just chatting and, and experiencing that sporting environment with people with the same, I don't want to say disability, but let's say the same invisible disability as me and being totally accepted. And like you said, Chris, it's another weight. So every time we meet up, the weight comes off again. I can have a discussion. I can go on the WhatsApp and I can talk to people. I can have a discussion and the weight's just lifted again because I know there's people there to kind of support me. Yeah. So what would you say has been your, I want a, a standout moment on the court and a standout moment off the court involved in Euro. So the standoff moment, I think you know this straight away, is our first win as a as, as a as a diabetes nation against Romania, and it's a bizarre uh, futsal score because it was three nil, and you don't get many nils in futsal. And um, I pulled off. Um, I, I sound big-headed now, but I pulled off a, a good save um, when it was still nil-nil. And then we went through and um, and we, we carried on and we won it. And that was the greatest moment ever when that final whistle went and we'd done it. I think we all charged to the middle and just hugged each other. And Harley was in there and, 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 and Yana and Paul, and we were just in there and everyone was just part of it. And I don't, it was like, it was like some Hollywood film. And that's the best way I can put it. It was like everything came together for that moment, your dream and that moment. And you could see that in you, you have done that and we'd achieved that boom and it was just immense so on court that off court um when i was given the armband i had no idea i was going to be made captain you know jt our captain for bratislava uh, and die euro in 2018 was injured um and yeah tim you're the captain i'm the what <laughs> and it, it's still on my uh Twitter page now and you know that will go on my you know gravestone or whatever you want to say that I can I can honestly say it's one of the proudest moments of my life walking out and leading the team out with that armband on yeah it's just mind-blowing do you think Tim do you think it adds anything you know talk about representing your country do you think it adds anything when you start saying well you represent people with your condition and your country 
it means twice as much, Chris. Um, and like I said before, I want to be that role model and be that person who people can, you know, talk to, you know, and can look up to. Um, and it's, it's, it, yeah, representing the country on a sporting level is brilliant. But using that to then say, well, you can achieve that. You're, you're the the eleven year old me who's having doubts about you know how to control it and how to hide it. Well, don't hide it. You know, focus on doing the best you can, and the best you can can is dealing with the you know with it, not hiding away from it controlling it the best you can so then you can be as normal as possible and perform at your best and not be afraid of it and to be able to stand up there and say look I'm I'm a diabetic and I'm proud of it and I'm the captain of your country and I can if I can do that then you can so if I could get that point across to as many people as I can then I hope this is the start of it. And you think that's one of the most important things for you now then now you've done that as you described it, that full circle, you know, you started um, on your journey in sport. You've now come in, as you sort of said, towards that end of your career in sport. And really importantly, in both fronts, you know, finding a way with diabetes in both uh, both that starting point and now that uh, ending point is sport. Do you think that now is a, a message you want to pass on? Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. And, and when we did the conference and I did that little bit of um, presentation at the conference, at the end of it, I had four or five people come speaking to me, saying my little boy's just been diagnosed as, uh, as a diabetic. He's a goalkeeper. You know, can we get in touch? Can you say anything? You know, I'm doing messages to screens. You know, it's like, this is bizarre. But, you know, um, I have a friend um, who at home who said, look, my friend's little girl has just been diagnosed. Once we come out of COVID, would you go around to their house and speak to them. Yeah, of course I will. You know, and it's it's just an amazing opportunity that I want to take with both hands and make sure that people aren't afraid of it and, and don't think of it as negative, you know, because that's how they felt at first or how they saw the parents react to it as this sledgehammer blow, right? You, you recover, you move on try and take one step forward every day and just deal with it. I think you've, you've summed it up there really well, Tim. I think the, you, from, from knowing you the way I do, you, you, you've just talked there about the friend's child. Five years ago, would you have imagined yourself doing that? No, no, because I wouldn't have had the confidence to do it. Um, because it's Tim you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk about diabetes. Yes, I, I feel sorry for the child, but what can I say to you? You know, what can I say to the child? You know, yeah. everything's going to be all right. Everyone's going to say that everything's going to be all right. But give me the reason. Give, you know, everyone can make the statement, but give me the evidence. Well, everything's going to be all right because all you need to do is this. All you need to do is that. And you can achieve anything you want. It's don't put the blocker in it by focusing on the negatives. Focus on the this is what I want to do. What do I need to do to take the steps to get there? And just dealing with the diabetes is one more thing, step along the journey. Yeah, I, I think that's you, you've you've got that. And and for me, it, it's such a good um, a good story of where you've come from, what what's happened, the changes, but just how. I, I liken it in a, in a way to to my story, um, j just in, in terms of now how confident you are speaking about it. For me, five years ago, the idea of talking to anyone about being diabetic, just I, I'd have just laughed and look at where we are now. It's incredible. Yeah, exactly. Just I'm, I'm, literally, I'm just sat here talking to two of my closest friends about a condition that we all share and, and we all have, you know, you know, experiences of, and but we're quite happy to just throw it out there and hopefully people will listen to us and take something from it. And Brilliant. yeah, five years ago, no chance. Three years ago, no chance. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, I, I, it's a cathartic experience as well for myself. I think, I think that's, we, we, you've absolutely nailed that. I think, um, I think it's time to move on to our next game. 
we're getting all a bit emotional, a bit serious. Um, Is that why we turn the cameras off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as long as you can't hear the tears, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> Tim, you, you, you said you listened to last week's podcast. We've got yes. the, the the game. So 21 questions. You're going to give me a number. I'm going to tell you the question. Quick fire question. I want you to answer it. So number between one and 21. Okay. UK's number one. Oh, who is your favourite player, favourite current footballer from a foreign country? Oh, Bruno, it's got to be Fernandes. It's the man's taking United to different levels in and never stops and his attitude and I remember Gary Level talking about seize the day and if there's one person and one player I've seen over the last 10 years seize the day it's him so yeah Bruno Fernandes United's 18 he's not bad is he I'll give you that (laughs) it's not brighty but you know well exactly if he keeps going he'll be all right (laughs) right next one um Lucky number seven, my my real number. Oh, the so I've changed the number slightly from last week. So again, it's the last. Chris had this one last week. The last thing you purchased. <laughs> um, I got my car fixed yesterday. Is that a purchase? I'm trying to think. Um. Some guitar strings, yeah. So some new new guitar strings. Um, I'm looking at them. I've got about seven in the room with me now. So I needed some new ones for a Telecaster that I bought over summer. So there you go. Sounds sounds exciting. I'm sure it means I'm, more to a lot more people than me who doesn't have a bone in my body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Last one. Last number. Um. 16? Did Chris have 16? 16? 16. Here you go. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? You know what? My little boys ask me this all the time. Um, it's... And I, I, play, I play the same games with my boys. <laughs> In fact, I got asked this last night, so this is an easy one. Uh, flying. I'd like to be able to fly. That's, do you know what? I went for that as well. Right, yeah, time. Every yeah, time. Yeah. Any reason, Tim, why you want to fly? Um, well, I mean, I'm amazingly strong anyway, so there's that one out the window. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> as you know, Chris, I'm super fast, so <laughs> so <laughs> the, flash, the flash thing goes out of there. And I just think it would save me a fortune on train fares and, and, <laughs> and, and petrol if I could fly. Far too practical, far too practical. That's that's a dad talking, that. Yeah, that is, yeah. (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. Tim, you've been absolutely brilliant. There's just a couple couple of other things that I wanted to run past you. You mentioned mentioned earlier about how we might have spoken to Donna. I've got pages and pages of stuff here that I just don't think we're going to have time to go through. But I just want to... We, we, we talked about um, you've talked a bit about your swimming as well. Mm-hmm. Can you remember a story about um, you being part of a gala and, and taking part in a lot more races than you planned to? And um, yeah, yeah? Do, do you want to yes. take over? Um, oh, that's yeah, God, <laughs> she's really put me in it here. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I had literally, I was, I was quick. Uh, and he, as you know, guys, I was like, I'm, I'm a tall guy, so I have the right physique for a swimmer. So I had done more, I had done more. And my mum tried to pass me down a bottle of Lucasade um, from the kind of viewing galleries, and I dropped it. And it went <laughs> everywhere. And the whole gala had to stop while they cleaned up all the glass and everything. So... Trying to hide your diabetes in that instance is is uh, a bit difficult. I just sat there as they just 
hosed off the pool thinking, well, I'm going to have to perform in the next race now, you know, after all that. But I just see my liquid nitrogen leukoside drain into the into the side of the pool. <laughs> oh, great. Thanks for that, Danny. Yeah. Oh, they, that's only the start, Tim. I do, I, I obviously, <laughs> like I said, I can't do them all. But one of the ones that, that I really liked was um, talking about odd things you do when you're low. And, and apparently your brother said that when you were younger, you used to, when you were low, he always knew because you used to go and get stuff from the fridge and put it in your school bag. (laughs) (laughs) I think, is there, I I, I, I think Donna might have mentioned (laughs) that that, that you still do things like that. Is that, is that true? Yeah. (laughs) What what are you doing? What do you mean what I'm doing? And uh, as you know, you get quite short tempered if you're low. What do you mean? What am I doing? I'm, I'm cutting the Christmas turkey with the saw. What do you think of it? What, what, what's wrong with that kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Jez. Thanks for dropping <laughs> me in again. I can what's remember as well uh, being in the kitchen and being low and suddenly realising it, but being confused. And instead of putting the rubbish in the bin, trying to put the cap off my head into the bin. <laughs> and I can just remember sitting down, you know, as my bloods were coming back up, thinking... Where in that mist of diabetic madness did you think that you were meant to put your cap in the bin? <laughs> what? Yeah, well, thanks for uh, that. On, on this, on the serious side to that, you you've mentioned earlier about your two boys. Do do they ever see you do something like that and and recognise it as a sign of oh, dad's going low? Um, my little boy. Then, <clears throat> this is quite serious now. So, my little boy test my blood all the time, you know, with the, with the Libra, he comes up and, and, and checks it. Um, a couple, before I had the CGM, I collapsed a couple of years ago and um, Elliot saw me and it kind of knocked him sideways and um, he still gets a little bit upset about it now. So um, they do, they do, especially Elliot, who's the youngest one, does, um see the signs and go, daddy, you need some sugar or daddy, you need to eat something. Um, which is amazing from a five year old. Um, but it did knock him sideways and it makes, you know, I'm not just doing it for myself. My control needs to be for everyone now. I don't want to have that effect on a son that's knocking them. And also I coach an under nines team, you know, so I, again, have to make sure I'm in control. You know, it's an academy that I coach at as well. So I've got 18 kids that I'm responsible for. I can't be going low, you know, at that point and, you know, getting confused and teaching them rugby, God forbid. Um, And, you know, so it's a case of I I need to be on the ball all the time. And, and it's, I'm, I think I'm quite a selfless person. So it's good to think that I'm doing it for someone else as well, not just for myself. Yeah. So I've got the selfish viewpoint, but I'm thinking I've got to be dad. I've got to be coach and I've got to be, I've got to raise my levels, my aspirate and think I need to be like this, you know, for them as well. Brilliant. I think I, I, that's a really, really important message you've got there. We honestly, we, we could be, sitting here for hours and hours there's so much that we could chat about your 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 story where you've come from where you've gone to is it's it's incredible and and I think it's it's great to to hear it and knowing you really well that there's stuff that I've got from there that I wouldn't have I wouldn't have necessarily known about you but Tim it's been an absolute pleasure having you on I've absolutely loved it and, and hopefully the listeners will too yeah I've enjoyed it it's been like you said, it, it's been a chat with two very close friends and, uh, again, a, a cathartic experience. And I just hope that, you know, this is a start of a conversation and not an end of one and that people will get in contact with you guys and want to speak to you two or speak to me or the rest of the guys that you're going to get on here and girls and, and just kind of, you know, let's open the discussion. Let's let's change the mindset of people about the condition and and what you can do and achieve with it. I don't think there's any better way to to sort of sum it up, Mordy, and what you've just said there. And um, just want to say a massive thank you for joining us on the Diabetes Dugout um, and all of your work that you do with the diabetes football community. 
and uh, just to say thank you uh, to everybody that's listened. Yeah. Take care, everyone. Well, that's it for this episode. And we just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has tuned in. And don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And whilst you're there, if you could rate and review us, that will help us and the show to reach more people. Whilst if you'd like to get in contact with us about any ideas or thoughts for the show, send us an email about the Diabetes Dugout to the Diabetes Football Community at gmail.com or head to the website www.thediabetesfootballcommunity.com for more information about our project. Thanks for joining us and tune in next time for more stories, inspiration and information about diabetes in football.